Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. We're in our series called The Gift of Emotions. It's, it's kind of prompted by this movie Inside Out, talking about the ways that, that God's made us, the emotions that he's placed in us. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Brian Candelo got us started talking about the, the emotion of uh, disgust. It was, it, was, it was an okay sermon. Uh, last week, uh, last week uh, Jessica Mitchell, our college pastor, did a fantastic job talking about joy. College section approves. And uh, today, uh, you have the privilege of hearing from an RTI student, uh, Ben Nanke. Uh, you, may, you may recognize Ben. Ben's a barista at Broadway Coffee House. He is an RTI student headed into his senior year. Uh, RTI students, uh, they do, they're always doing these, these practicums, these ministry experiences. And Ben has a great practicum coming up. He's, uh, he's headed to Toulouse, France on September 15th for six months, and uh, there's a small international church in Toulouse, and Ben is going there. He's going to be preaching. He's going to lead worship. Uh, he's not going to preach every weekend, but he'll, he'll preach some weekends, lead worship, and he's going to lead uh, 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 alpha groups, which are groups that are helping people discover who Jesus is and helping them in that process of making that discovery. Um, and so Ben has been preaching all week long, and uh, he's done a fantastic job. And uh, my, my prayer is that your, your hearts will uh, not only be, be encouraged by what God is 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 saying to you, but you'll be encouraged uh, as as you see God at work in, in all of us uh, as Ben brings that word. So would you welcome him as he comes and shares God's heart with us? So what we're going to do is we have a clip from the Pixar movie Inside Out, and we're going to watch that together, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. So, so kids, you can go ahead and kind of crane your heads and uh, watch the screens, and we're going to watch that clip together. Ever wonder why you feel the way you do? We'll get to know your emotions. When things go wrong, anger is there. This is anger. He will make sure the world knows anger is in control. But what you really need to watch out for is when he's out of control. That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Right, right. Here comes an airplane. These are my kind of people. What the heck is that? Oh, that's broccoli on pizza. That's it. I'm done. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. the Hawaiians, and now you. We can't breathe. We should lock the door and scream that curse word we know. It's a good one. Now, hold on. Look, we all have our off days. You know... Hi, honey. The mom bad news train is pulling in. Toot, toot. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safe to position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. That worked. Well, what would you do if you're so smart? I'd tell you, but you're too dumb to understand. What? Of course your tiny brain is confused. 
Guess I'll just have to dumb it down to your level. Sorry I don't speak moron as well as you, but let me try. All right, so that's anger. He's a fun guy. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And so we've got a couple questions. I won't be able to get to everybody, but I'm going to try to sort of jump around this stage full of children to, uh, to interview you here. So the first question is, what makes you angry? What makes you angry? Okay, I'll go here. When my sisters are being mean to me. When your sisters are being mean to you. Yeah. When my brothers fight with me. When your brothers fight with you. Yeah. What about for you? What makes you angry? My third grade teacher. Third grade teacher. If you're here, sorry. <laughs> what about for you? When my mom tells me to clean my room, but nothing's out. Oh, it's not even messy, Mom. What about for you? What makes you angry? When my brother tricks me. When he shoots you? With a Nerf gun, not with a real gun. <laughs> when my mom says no to everything. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's see. Go over here, and I'll come back. What makes you angry? When I get homework on Fridays. Homework on Fridays. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, what about for you? Um, whenever my friends are hurt by bullies. By bullies? Yeah, I yeah. I just want to kick them. Yeah. <laughs> Getting shot by my brother with his mega Nerf gun. Yeah, being shot by your brother with a mega Nerf gun. It's rough. Okay, these two, and then we'll move on to the next question. My sister wakes me up and says she doesn't. I do not. Okay, you do. You do. You definitely do. <laughs> what makes you angry? When my sister takes my friends at sleepovers. Oh, boy. There's some sleepover angst going on here. Okay, so the next question is, is it okay to be angry? Is it okay to be angry? Okay. So let's start here. What do you think? Sometimes when your mom says no. Okay. What about for you? It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry. Okay, I'm going to jump over here. I haven't been over here in a while. If I can actually get over here. I don't want to step on anybody's fruit snacks. What about you? I get mad when flies are all over the house. Yeah. Flies are all over the house? That is gross. Yeah. Oh, my. Is it okay to be angry? Did you raise your hand? You're on the spot now. So. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Good answer. Okay. What about you? Is it okay to be angry? My parents always say yes. Say and, yes? Unless you're, like, screaming or unless something. Unless you're screaming. It's a pretty safe rule. Okay, let's head over here. What do you think? Is it okay to be angry? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yes, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry? Okay, let's get you in. It's only okay to be angry on Mondays. On Mondays. <laughs> Not today. Okay, last question. Last question. When you're angry, what do you do? What do you do when you're angry? You guys got an answer over here? Okay. Let's see, okay, what do you do when you're angry? Out. You don't know? Okay. What do you do? Make a mad face. Make a mad face. Yeah. <laughs> I say, humph, humph. 
Okay, what about you? What do you do when you're angry? I lock myself in my room. Lock yourself in your room. Okay, what about you? What do you do when you're angry? Shoot something with my Nerf gun. Shoot something with your Nerf gun? <laughs> Hopefully not someone. <laughs> Some other people, that makes them angry, so. Okay, let's move over here. Let me step on you. What about you? What do you do when you're angry? I scream. Scream. Okay, what do you do? I, go, I talk to my mom, my puppy, or my dad, or I just ignore it. Talk to your mom, puppy, or dad, or just don't talk to anybody about it. Okay, what about you? Go on to my pillow and scream as loud as I can. Scream into the pillow, yeah. Okay, I'll get three more over here. Okay, back to you, what are you thinking? I yell at, well, I thought you'd say sister, because it's always, always her. It's back, all comes back. <laughs> what about you? I go in my room. Go in your room? Okay, okay, last one, we got anybody else? All right, what do you do? I punch my pillow. Punch your pillow, all right. Let's give these guys a round of applause for being brave to come up here. All right. Before you guys go, I want to pray for you really quick. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for these awesome kids. Thank you that you are even teaching them now ways to deal with their anger, uh, the anger that comes up. And, and God, I just pray that you would continue to guide these kids into a relationship with you that is healthy and, and, and makes healthy use of the emotions that you've given us. Lord, I just bless them with peace, and I, I bless them with a life of, of goodness in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, kids. You can go try to track down your parents. They're out there somewhere. And as, as we're transitioning here, uh, I'm going to invite, just as the aisles sort of clear a little bit, uh, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, and we're going uh, to do offering. And I just want to say as well, if you're a guest with us today, uh, as that plate comes by, uh, you weren't invited here today to, to give financially. And so if, if you're a guest here, feel free to just let that plate buy, go by. Uh, we're just happy that you're here and, and we're not looking to get any kind of finances from you if you're a guest today. So, so like Steve said, I am a, I'm an RTI student. My name is Ben Nanke, and uh, I get the uh, awesome privilege to speak with you today about everybody's favorite emotion, which is anger, right? No? Okay, I heard some scoffing, so that's maybe not true. Uh, you know, have you noticed today that people tend to be angry? That there's just a lot of angry people around all of a sudden. You know, all you have to do is turn on the TV and there's just two people who are punching each other in the face at a protest. And the anger out in our society can be discouraging. But, but if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but if you're like me, it may be that some of that anger in the society has, has found its way and is inside of us as well. And sometimes... We are angry too. The protest fight is in here. And it can nag at us in a moment of clarity. You know, and anger can be sneaky too sometimes. Sometimes we don't realize that we're angry. People say things like, oh, I didn't even realize that you were upset. But inside, it's just like magma. You know, a mountain looks really calm until it reveals itself to actually have been a volcano. People are angry. You know, kids, sometimes you're angry. 
You know, maybe there's another kid in your class who's just constantly fooling the teacher. He just gets away with everything. And, and everybody thinks this kid is awesome, but you know this kid is not awesome. They're like the opposite of awesome. And, and no one seems to notice, and it just makes you angry. Or, or maybe there's a bully in class, and they're bullying you, they're bullying your friends, and, and their friends laugh like that makes it okay, but it, it just makes you angry. Or, or parents, you know, maybe your child comes home and tells you about that bully and that anger just rises up and it's like, ah, I hate other people's kids. How could you raise your child that way, you know? <laughs> They're parents too. It comes in and we feel that anger. Or even with your own kids, you know, they touch hot things. And, and it's, I told you that that was hot. Why do you keep doing that? And when it's over the course of a day, we don't want to, but sometimes that anger rises up as well. You know, politics, well, say no more, right? I won't, don't worry. Or in the workplace. You know, even within the past week, there have been times, you know, it's really awkward when you're preaching a sermon on anger and people know that, and then you get angry at somebody <laughs> and when you're at the workplace, sometimes people ask you to do things that you don't want to do, and that anger rises up, and it can happen to the best of us, you know? Maybe you're older. You've been on this planet for five, six, maybe even seven decades, and you've seen the world change so much in your lifetime, and you've done your best to change with it, but you're not even sure sometimes that you want to change with it, and Time goes on, and it seems like nobody really cares what you know. Uh, nobody cares what you've seen, what your experience has taught you. And you're routinely disrespected, insulted, and written off by whole sectors of the society, and even young people in your own life. There's that anger. Or maybe you're a young person. You're in your 20s like me, and you feel like you've been given a raw deal. And the world around you feels like it's pitted against you. Nothing seems to be going like you planned. Maybe the meaningful career is miles away. There's no relationship. Community feels hard and disappointing. Faith isn't simple. And you're finding that the rose-colored lenses are coming off and you're looking for someone to blame. I don't know if any of that hits home. But we've been talking about emotions and the gift of emotions. And right about now, you might be wondering, wait, so how exactly is anger a gift? You know, you've got your six-paragraph Facebook reply, footnoted, telling you that you're a moron, and it's just like bundle of joy given from the heavens, right? A lot of time when we feel that anger, it's when we're at work, it's when we're at school, it's when we are with our family or even when we have a quiet moment and we're alone in our own thoughts and we're left with what feels less like a gift and more like a problem. And what we're left with is anger. And so it raises the question, what do we do with our anger? What do we do with our anger? And the Bible has something to say about that. And, and our passage today is really short, but there's a lot packed in there. So I'm just going to put it up on the screen, and I'll read it here for you. It's from Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So there's our text for today. Before we dig into that, anger 
is really this emotion that rises up when things do not go the way that we think they should go. So there's this really strong connection between anger and should, because anger happens when our ideals are violated. And we see this biblically as well, where, where should or justice and anger are closely related. And this is where we get the idea of God's wrath, where God has a moral response to wrongdoing. But this connection uh, between anger and justice, just anger, has produced its own phrase. And that phrase is righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. That's another way of saying just anger or righteous anger. And, and righteous indignation is, is a phrase that's actually pretty relevant for me in my own life. Because in early 2012... I read this book that was called Righteous Indignation, and that book launched me into what I at the time intended to be a career in politics. And so if you're imagining me in Congress, like wearing a suit, that's not exactly the idea. I, was, I worked in new media, and so new media, if you're not familiar with that, imagine a, a combination of an activist, a reporter, and a media personality on the internet. So I was a blogger, I wrote a lot of articles, I made videos, uh, and I was somewhat influential. And, and I remember reading this book, and I had just started going to a church. I wasn't Christian at the time. I was 19, and I read this book about righteous indignation, and I was just like, yes, awesome. Like, this book gives me license to just let it out. And, and I remember hearing Christian teaching at the time and just sort of latching on to the, to the moral stuff and really nothing else at the beginning. It was just that there's a clear right and a clear wrong, and some people were wrong, and it wasn't me. And so I, <laughs> I used my skills at communication. I used sort of my Judeo-Christian ethics and the I don't really care about this Jesus guy. And, and I brought all of that into a career in politics. And that guy who inspired me, who wrote this book, he was described as being a rhetorical flamethrower in the culture wars. And I did my best to emulate that approach. So put a different way, I was the guy that you unfriended because of all the political posts. <laughs> Sorry about that. I remember reading our passage today in the scriptures. It was in the ESV, and it reads like this. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give a foothold to the devil. And that's still the phrasing of this text that I have memorized, and I had never heard anyone speak on this text before. And so I came up with this kind of cool interpretation. And here's what it was. I heard, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I heard, let the eternal sunshine of your anger eternally beat down. Don't let the sun set. Let anger fuel you. <laughs> so if you can imagine, I was a pretty fun guy at parties. Because <laughs> people are angry. So what do we do with our anger? Well, this passage tells us three things. The first one is be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. This really means that there is a way to be angry that is righteous. And there is a way to be angry that is sinful. And it's possible to be angry and not to sin. There is righteous indignation and it can be a good thing. However, calling something righteous indignation, calling it good, as I learned does not make it righteous indignation. So kids, when, when you get grounded and that moral opposition rises up, like this isn't fair, doesn't necessarily make it righteous anger. 
Or parents, when your kids have been bugging you and that anger rises up, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's righteous anger. But it raises the question, how do I know whether my anger is righteous? And like I said, this week I found out that some of my anger was not righteous. And so I had to go through this process. And so I, I developed a little bit of a test. And so we're going to take that test together today. And uh, one of the things with this test is that it has to pass all three of them. We can't just check one of the boxes and then not want to hear the other ones. For it to be righteous anger, it needs to pass all the tests. So let's talk about the first one. Here's the first one. Righteous anger gets angry about actual sin, not matters of preference. So if you're at the restaurant and your food comes out and it is not salted right or it is missing a tomato and that anger kicks in and it's just like, get the cook out here. Get the cook. I want to talk to the chef. He's, I'm gonna, he's never going to work in food again. And it's like, man, mom, it's Wendy's. <laughs> that may not be righteous indignation. Righteous indignation gets angry about actual sin. But that's, that's not all. There's more to this test. The second one is that righteous indignation remembers God's big picture. Righteous anger remembers God's big picture. So because there's kids in the room, I'll say this. Righteous anger does not say, go to heck. It doesn't say that because God says that he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent in 2 Peter 3.9. So God's motivation, God's big picture, is that people would repent and be saved. Righteous anger focuses on God's big picture. But sinful anger says, I, fine, maybe at best that person can be saved, but instead of the golden streets, I want them on the bronze streets of, of heaven so that I don't ever have to see them. Can they live in a different neighborhood of heaven than me, please? But that's not the heart of God who loved us while we were still sinners. The third one is that righteous anger is in line with the fruit of the Spirit. Righteous anger is in line with love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control that we read about in Galatians. And so if our anger keeps us from living out of the fruit of the Spirit, it's probably not righteous anger. So does my anger make me unkind? Does my anger make me impatient? Does it make me unloving sometimes? When I get angry, does self-control go out the window and I find myself wishing that I could take back those words that I just said in anger? You know, Jesus shows us that it's possible to be angry and not to sin. But the thing is, sometimes with Christians, we think that that being angry as a Christian looks like now just getting angry about God stuff. So instead of getting angry about preference, my anger, even though it's still dangerous and, and violent to other people, is now about God things. But it's not just the things that we get angry about that God wants us to change in our hearts, but it's also the way that we get angry. And it takes the Holy Spirit to build us up into the image of Christ that he can do that in us. And that's because anger is a gift. Anger is a gift, and I'll, I'll tell you how. Anger is a gift because, like all of our emotions, it's a really good indicator for what's going on inside of us. 
So I used to drive a, a 1992 Pontiac Sunbird back in the day. And, and I had it for three years, a horrible car. And it, uh, no offense to Pontiac, but it had this little light on the dashboard. My check engine light was on for a whole year. Is that bad? Oh, maybe it is. It was okay. The mechanic just left it on, and, and it was fine. But, but some people are driving around, and that check engine light is on, and they're just sort of covering that side of their face like, I don't want to look at that side of the dashboard. But until we pop the hood and maybe even take it into the mechanic, that anger is running rampant in our lives unchecked, and we have no way to distinguish whether it is good or whether it's not. And the second way that anger is a gift is that it's a way that we share emotional likeness with God. He too gets angry. But, but the interesting thing about God's anger is you'll read in, in the Old Testament especially, there's sections where he gets angry and he says what the grievance is. But then it changes. And suddenly it's this love song from God to his people talking about how he's going to give them a new heart and he's going to bring them to this place of transformation and change how they engage with the world and change what they are like. And so God's anger is always redemptive. Righteous anger is always redemptive. And we can share in a heart that gets upset about the things that are not right, but approaches them with an attitude of redemption. And what that means for us as humans is that righteous human anger does not punish. Righteous human anger doesn't punish. And, and I want to distinguish between discipline and punishment because discipline builds people up and trains them, but, but punishment tears people down. And punishment isn't always this one isolated act. You know, sometimes punishment of a day turns into punishment of a week. It turns out to being in the doghouse to a month to years, to the point where someone's had their name crossed off in your heart for a majority of your adult life. And that brings us really to our next point, which is this. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Put it a different way. Don't let anger take root in your life. This is, this is God warning us against all kinds of chronic anger. And, and, and chronic anger can be sneaky sometimes. You know, I think of the dad in the movie, the guy with the mustache who looks like a dad. He is there, and he's getting angry. But the interesting thing is that Riley, the daughter, her chairperson in the center is, is Joy. But when you switch over and you get that window into dad's head, Joy is not in the, co Joy's not in the uh, driver's seat. It's anger. And sometimes we don't recognize when chronic anger has become our CEO. You know, it can be tricky sometimes because sometimes we picture anger as being like that guy in that clip with the, with the flame head who is just angry. You know, he's, he says, I'm angry. And everybody knows that he's angry. And he's throwing stuff around, you know, punishment from him. He's punching a hole in the wall. It looks like yelling and browbeating and intimidation and shows of force. And that's really obvious. And sometimes when our anger doesn't look like that, we can conclude that we're not angry. But I've got a couple other ones. Uh, there's some anger that can be sneaky and slip through the cracks. And we use these key phrases and we call it by slightly different names. The first one is this. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. <laughs> not angry. I'm just frustrated. This person is kind of the brooder sometimes that it's, I'm not going to get visibly angry. I'm just going to kind of clam up and lock myself in my room or something like that. 
Uh, and this person is sometimes taught that being angry is not okay. And so it gets stuffed. But it gets buried alive inside of us. And it comes out in other ways, like punishment in the form of the cold shoulder or the silent treatment or sort of passing remarks or gossip. And, and we think, we say I'm frustrated because we don't want people to think that we're out of control. Because being angry feels pretty out of control. But the thing is, when we bury our anger, it's not anger that's under control. It's just bottled up. We can't put it down there and think that it's not still there. So that's the first one. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. The second one is, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm I'm just kind of disappointed. And you know, this is the person who was kind of above getting angry. And this is a tricky one because this person's often willing to help the person that they're angry with. But the way that they help really communicates to that person they're helping that they're a screw-up. Everyone needs to know who failed here and who didn't. The, the help is this weird form of punishment. This is anger that knows it's supposed to serve others, but it can't get over contempt. I would never do that. The last type of anger is kind of interesting. This one's called, uh, I'm not angry, I just don't care. <laughs> I'm fine. It's cool. You know, the punishment from this person is hard to recognize because usually it doesn't happen. It's just, they're just calm. You know, they're the mountain. Maybe something's going inside, but who knows? But this kind of anger can sometimes be the most destructive because it refuses to address the anger until it's too late to deal with it. This person is fine until things are irreparably not fine. And it's not good or Christian to say that we're fine when we're not fine. That's just falsehood. It's covering up the volcano until it's too late. So sometimes the best thing to do is to say, hey, that made me angry. Let's talk about it. And this is not a gotcha moment, but this is so we can unmuddy the waters and call anger what it really is. Because we don't want the sun to, we want the sun to go down on our anger. Depending on my interpretation, maybe the sun needs to set with the burning rage, but how do we know whether the sun has not gone down on our anger. So there's a couple ways. The first one is, I can tell that the sun has not gone down on my anger when I'm obsessed with justice and accuracy and I have a case file in my brain full of evidence. Anyone relate to that? <laughs> so there's one. Second clue is when I'm having fantasy conversations with someone who has hurt me. And they're such gripping conversations, too. They're really blockbusters. And the third one, this one's a real tell. When deep down, if I'm honest, I just know that I don't plan to forgive somebody. You know, we want to get away from that place of chronic anger having a root in our life. But sometimes it takes a process. And so what we want here is not just get over it, but it's this process of moving in the direction of what forgiveness and righteous handling of our anger looks like. But you might be asking, why is this all so important? You know, why does it matter what anger looks like in my own life if I'm keeping it moderately under control? And that really leads us to our third point, which is this. Don't give the devil an opportunity. You know, give him an opportunity to do what? Satan wants nothing more than to make us bitter. 
He wants nothing more than to make it so that we can't see past anger to notice the human beings around us. You know, sometimes when we're angry, it's easy to slip into this place where we're really no longer seeing the person on the other side of our anger. And we, we don't want to think about how they have families that they're going home to tonight. We don't want to think about them playing with their kids. We don't want to think about them as children. We don't want to think about the fact that they have a past and that they have a future. And that future may already be or may in the future be with God as one of, their beloved, as one of his beloved children. And I know this is literally the last thing that we want to think about when we're angry at somebody. But righteous anger and the fruit of the Spirit are not opposites. God is calling us to an anger that is kind. God is calling us to an anger that is patient. He's calling us to an anger that is self-controlled. And it may sound like those things are impossible, and it's because we can't reach those places on our own. We need God, who has promised to conform us to the image of his Son, to do that in us through his Holy Spirit. This isn't something we can grit our teeth and bury the anger inside and hope to come out on the other side with a form of righteous anger. So what does it look like to aim for a sunset, so to speak, on our anger? Well, it looks like a couple of different things. And, and this is a process. But there's ways that we can partner in this with God. And, and one of them is really simple. Instead of having fantasy conversations, have real ones. Instead of having those fantasy conversations in our head where we tell people how it is, what would it look like if we had real conversations with people? And maybe there's, there's probably a reason why those conversations haven't taken place. Maybe we don't want to see them. Maybe we're afraid of what's going to come out of us, and we, we don't want to lose control in that conversation, so we've been putting it off. And so maybe you need to find some resources. Maybe it's a, health, a healthy and faithful friend who can come alongside you and pray for you in this process of building up to having that conversation. Salem Alliance has some awesome peacemaker resources that I've gone through and have been so helpful for me in resolving conflict. Maybe it looks like signing up for a peacemaker's course to build you up and give you the tools that you need to have that conversation in a God-honoring way. But regardless, those conversations don't do anything when they're in our head, but resolution can come when they happen with the real person. So instead of having fantasy conversations, have real ones. The second one, and this is a little bit harder, is to empty the case file. Empty the case file. Pour it in the trash. Sometimes we keep that case file because we think that God isn't keeping one. Because we know that the church is a place of grace and we're afraid that people are going to be let off the hook somehow. Or because we don't want them to get away with it. But the thing is, God's grace is not cheap. God, through Jesus, paid the ultimate price to take that punishment on himself. The books weren't fudged. Jesus was the hard solution to the problem of sin in this world. It was a costly solution. And so to think that God is not keeping a record book is a misunderstanding of what God has done. Which means that we don't have to keep the case file. We can focus on preaching the gospel to other people and leading them to the place where God will deal with their repentance. We can preach that God loves them, even though they are sinners, as we all are, and bring them into that relationship with God. The case file is in God's hands, and we don't need to keep it in ours. And finally, 
And this one really hits close to home for me. Maybe the anger is not as much at other people as it is at yourself. We need to release that anger against ourselves. You know, that should that prompts the moment of anger is all the shoulds that I don't do. I can't believe I did that thing again. Can't believe that I went on that website again. I can't believe that I'm stuck in the same unhealthy thought pattern that has ruined me over and over again. The same habit, I'm back here again. I hate myself. And James 1.20 says that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Even your own anger at your own sin. The path to righteousness is not anger. It's not low-grade chronic guilt or self-hatred that we hope is going to produce holiness. Have you ever noticed that hating yourself for the things that you do doesn't fix them? You know, in my own life, since I've been a believer, I've experienced this transition from, from self-hatred to faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God who are powerful enough to overcome the sin in my life and to transform me as I submit to them in that. I've experienced that freedom. And ultimately, we will not experience healthy resolution of the anger until we can bring it into the light and talk about it, first with God, and then as it's appropriate, with other people. And so, as we think about all this today, this is a tough journey. But we can remember the words of God, be angry and do not sin. That's possible. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let chronic anger take its root in your life, sapping your energy. And don't give the devil a foothold. We can partner with God in the redemptive work that he wants to do, both in the lives of people around us and also in our own hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the things that you're stirring up. God, God, if people haven't heard your voice before, God, I pray that they would hear both the conviction but also your grace, that you receive people, that the gospel does not start when we're perfect. It starts when we're not doing well. And that the gospel has the power to transform us through Jesus. God, I pray that as we deal with our emotion of anger, that you would be right there alongside us, looking at it together and saying, I'm not ashamed of you. Thank you so much, much, Lord, that that is your heart towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.